0: Buffalo Bills dodged a blizzard, took a plane to Detroit, and played a road home game where they walked away with a 31-23 win over the Browns. And now, it's time for my Buffalo Blues. Hello, Bills Mafia. I am your host, Mick Scheist, and I'm here once again to celebrate a victory Monday for the first time in a few weeks, and it felt good to get off the Schneid. I think we all can take a collective sigh of relief after that game. I mean, I know if you read the room after a Bills loss, it's like the season is over. But here they are at seven and three. They don't control the division right now, but. There's a lot of season left. They get Miami and the Jets at the end of the year in Buffalo. So everything is still looking up. Everything is still looking forward. But I'm here to talk about what happened in the Bills' win over the Browns. This is a game that was scheduled to happen in Buffalo, but there was like seven feet of snow that fell in Buffalo, and it wasn't going to be reasonable or safe to try to host the game there. And not because they couldn't clear the field, but because of the people going to the game. So the league and the team moved the game to Detroit to play in a dome where the Bills will be playing on Thanksgiving morning. So it was a very convenient trial run. Of that stadium at least so when the Bills head back there for Thanksgiving they will know the routine they'll know what time they want to get everything handled to get out of the locker room though they'll, they'll be much more prepared uh, for the Thanksgiving game than they were in this game and it was a slow start it was an ugly start for the Bills and they look like a team that didn't get to practice And that's basically what happened, because they didn't get the news that they were going to be leaving town until, I want to say, Thursday? And then they had to fly out on Saturday? And a lot of well-meaning, good intention, good neighbors in Buffalo helped a lot of the players dig their cars out of the snow so that they could get to the team bus to get to the airport to go play in Detroit, and I know early on in the game it was a little worrisome, but as they got settled in, they started to find their rhythm, they looked a lot better after the first quarter ended, and uh, we'll get into that. This was the first time in a while that I saw the Bills' opponent start with the football. Uh, so I don't know if they won the toss or if the Browns wanted to start with the football and try to control the clock and play that ground-and-pound football that we've seen in a couple of the Bills' losses, uh, and generally just in the last three games for the Bills overall, but Cleveland came out with the ball first, and first play of the game, Jacobi said connects with Nick Chubb and picks up 17 yards, gets him almost to midfield, and... Gives it to Chubb again. Gets three yards. So, hit a couple of Chubb plays. And then Ed Oliver makes a big play to drop Chubb in the backfield. Make it a third and 11. It looked like the Bills were going to get off the field. And Jacoby Brissett made another good play. And scrambled. Picked up 22. Set them up with a first and 10 uh, at the 37. They go right back to Chubb, as you would expect. He gets three yards. uh, um, Brissett. Then... I don't know if it was a tight end screen to Njoku, but Jordan Poyer sniffed that one out, uh, blew it up minus four yards. So immediately, like having Poyer back made a big difference on the first drive of the game. You can see his instincts um, are just irreplaceable currently for the Bills. Uh, And so it sets him up with another third and 11. And this time Brissett finds Amari Cooper, who I was worried about, Chubb I was worried about, But on first and ten after the pass, Oliver and Von Miller come up with a nice tackle for loss on Nick Chubb again, minus three yards, and then Jacoby Brissett finds Amari Cooper for the touchdown. Um, And in previewing this game, what I was looking at was I know that from what I saw in the Vikings game that Amari Cooper was going to be a problem for the Bills secondary and that Chubb could definitely be a problem for the Bills uh, front seven and for their defense. And I think the main difference I would say is that the Bills seemed more committed to stopping the run. Like they were going to force Jacoby Brissett to win this game. And to his credit, Jacoby Brissett played very, very well. But because of the style of game that the Bills played, it wasn't quite enough but nonetheless they were up seven nothing uh and then the bills come out uh with the football and of course they're throwing on first down but at least they're throwing a check down route to singletary over the middle so i mean at least with that i was okay but i would still prefer they try to run to just get the clock like getting the feel of running especially when you haven't practiced like just turn around, hand the ball off a few times here and there, but nonetheless, they throw on first down. It was complete. Allen runs for two, and then he was incomplete, and he just had to throw the ball away. And so they go quick three and out, and it looked like there was a bobbled snap in there as well. So I was a little confused as to what exactly happened, but Allen just had to dirt the ball, uh, and they punt. But Bill's defense, I think, saw what they wanted Or, I should say, that they saw what the Browns wanted to do to them. And they came out and played a pretty solid defensive game the whole rest of the way. I mean, yes, they gave up 23 points, but honestly, when you look at kind of how the game momentum went, the Bills' defense was essentially in lockdown mode from the second quarter all the way through the third. So... Regardless, the Bills held um, Cleveland to a three and out after they had punted away to them. There was a penalty on Hunt that was a holding call that took away a third down conversion, put them back in third and 13, and they didn't convert. So Bills get the ball back, and they had a short field after uh, a nice return by Naheem Hines. he got like 30 on it he got him into Cleveland territory and Allen finds Davis they try to run to James Cook so again they're throwing on first down not the biggest fan of it but at least they're throwing like an underneath route you know this was a little just like stop route for Davis turns around hits him for eight they're not running 15 20 yard routes on first down Uh, Cook doesn't get anything Allen goes incomplete, short middle to Davis again, so at least on 3rd and 2, they're trying to convert the first down that's in front of them, and they're not throwing the ball to the end zone for no reason. Uh, they don't get it, though, and Bass comes out and kicks the field goal. And so this is a 4th and 2 at the Cleveland 24, and this is like a philosophy question or a game philosophy question for the Bills coaching staff because they've been in this situation a lot recently, and it seems like they don't know whether or not they want to take the field goal, take the points and play defense, or if they want to go for it. But it doesn't make a lot of sense to just give away free points when you have the kind of defense that you have, when you pay the kind of players on defense that you're paying uh, to make these kind of plays. And you're tacitly telling your defense that you don't trust them to get stops. And I think after the last... Few games for the Bills defense. This was a kind of prove-it game. Uh, you're coming in here against a team with a bad record. This is a game where the Bills defense absolutely had to step up, and I love the decision to kick the field goal here because, hey, you know what? It's better than having an empty drive early in the game. You don't want to just send your offense out there and have failed fourth-down conversions, and just take the take the free points. And another reason I like that field goal is because you got a drop from Davis on the third down conversion that would have moved the sticks, but in situations where that happens and then say the bills don't get the, uh, the fourth down conversion, if they fail it, then it's more of this thing of like, it's Gabe's fault. Right. And he's had issues catching the ball for sure, but you still don't want to shape the narrative that way for any of your players. So it's like, Hey, Hey, it's a drop, it happens whatever. We're going to take the field goal and move on. That's much better than oh, it's a drop then we didn't convert or Allen got sacked or something bad happened on fourth down and we got nothing out of it. So I I'm happy to see that decision. When Cleveland got the ball back, they re- went right back to what they did on the first drive that worked for them and they throw a little short pass to Chubb and he does his thing and picks up 26 yards and, you know, as I'm watching I'm like, damn, Chubb is just being Chubb doing what he does. And You know, he ended up with another 12-yard carry, a 5-yard carry, ends up with 37 yards on the drive, but they get down to first and goal after uh, reset completion to Amari Cooper, and they line up in Wildcat, and the Bills just sniffed it out, and I don't know if they were, excuse me, if the Browns were looking to kind of pull off what Derrick Henry did uh, with his little Wildcat touchdown pass, but... It kind of looked like that and then just the read wasn't there maybe or the tight end didn't get off the line of scrimmage I don't know exactly I haven't watched the replay on that but the Bills uh sniffed it out I think it was Milano that came away with the six yard uh tackle for loss on that it was him yes and uh and then Brissett hit incompletions back-to-back incompletions to force the field goal but on both of those plays you know these were balls that were in the tight end's hands and they didn't catch them. The first one I think was Harrison Bryant. And the second one was Brown. Um, but these were balls over right over the top of Tyrell Dodson's head that probably should have been caught for touchdowns, but the bills lucked out, took the field goal uh, and down 10 three. And that's kind of where the game changed. And I don't know if it was just the Bills starting to get warmed up. If, maybe not scoring a touchdown there elevated the team in some way that you know they didn't have uh, in that first quarter but that field goal drive came like right at the beginning of the second quarter and kind of opened the door for now the Bills could tie the game with a touchdown because to that point like the Cleveland Stars had basically been their stars Jacoby Brissett looked good Nick Chubb looked good Amari Cooper looked good and The Bills were going to have to find a way to deal with that or to force uh, Cleveland to have to win the game in other areas. But heading into their next drive off of the Cleveland field goal, the Bills still looked very sleepy on offense. They finally decided to run the ball on first down, but didn't get anything out of it. Okay, second down, they go to a little three-yard route, so it's still basically third and long. Not quite, but third and uh, long medium. And then on third and seven, uh, Josh Allen gets sacked. So it's another three and out for the Bills, and that's already, what, one, two, only two, but they've already got two three and outs in three possessions. So it's not ideal, and the one field goal that they got was basically a three and out that had good starting position, so they were able to take the field goal from it. This next possession is where things, I think, really changed the game in terms of just momentum and energy and Cleveland came out and the first you know on first and 10 they're backed up but they hit Cooper for a nine yard gain Kareem Hunt is in the game now picks up a first down and then Hunt and Cooper did pretty well they got busy on this Kareem Hunt had one two three four carries for 20 something yards Cooper had the big 35 yarder into Bill's territory and then facing a second and three there was a fumbled handoff fumbled snap um, but M- Matt Milano the opportunist that he always is jumped on it recovers it midfield so this is a situation where you know Cleveland might have been up 13-3 on this drive but the Bills were able to recover and then they go ahead and put a scoring drive together and it's not the prettiest but They got points on the board, and that's what mattered. They go back to throwing on first down, incomplete again. Uh, Josh Allen's throwing on second down, incomplete again. But then he finds Dawson Knox and just, uh, like, here's enough space for my guy to make a play. I'm going to throw him the ball on third and 10. Gets it, picks up the first down. They're uh, offsetting penalties. Then Cook is in the game. They want to run the ball on this first down. Run the ball on first down for 16. Singletary comes in, runs it for 9. Singletary for 2. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, we can run the football. Let's run the football a little bit. So they pick up a couple of first downs with Cook and Singletary. And then on a first and 10 at the 14, Singletary again. Down to the Cleveland one for 13 yards. But guess what? That's coming back on a holding penalty. Damn it. Gilliam hit with a hold. And this isn't the first time where a nice Singletary run has been negated by uh holding penalty but it backs them up first and 19 at the Cleveland 23 and here I could see wanting to throw the ball. You want to get like half of that distance back, but maybe you want to start the clock whatever. You're trying to score a touchdown here, so they're throwing on this first and 19, but it's incomplete to Isaiah McKenzie. Uh Cook picks up 5 yards on the next carry. Allen looks for Hines, misses that one though. And so they're left with a field goal try. Bass knocks it through. It's 10-6. So it hasn't been pretty. There's five minutes or so left in the first half. Cleveland's getting the ball, but the Bills are going to get the ball to start the second half. So this is where the game has really basically changed because of the fumble. It gave the Bills uh, the opportunity to get a possession here and stop Cleveland. And that's what happened. Uh, Chubb loses a couple yards. Brian picks up eight. Uh, Amari Cooper picks up another big game. He had a great day. Uh, Chubb gets stopped again. So the bills are starting to at least take away Chubb in the run game. Most of his production came on screen passes. And then there was a false start on third and 10 for Cleveland that backed him up to third and 15. And, uh, DeMar Hamlin was able to, you know, defend Cooper well enough to force the incompletion. And so they're in midfield. They're not crazy enough to send their rookie kicker out there to try a 65 yarder because if he misses you don't want the bills taken over in uh, Cleveland territory so they punt it away and Naheem Hines fair catches it but for whatever reason it was an ugly punt I think only 28 yards so Hines fair catches it at the 22 of the bills and then they put together a nice drive Allen to Knox Singletary run Allen to Knox again, Allen to Davis for 28 yards, so now it's first and 10, they're deep in Cleveland territory at the 29, I think they're not quite at the red zone yet, but things are moving, they're mixing in the run game, they're taking the low-hanging fruit of the short passes, and they're moving the football, and then on that first and 10, Singletary for 7, Allen scrambles for 6, Allen finds Davis for 8, Singletary up the middle, Singletary up the middle again. Now the clock is winding down. They're inside of 30 seconds because they're running the ball. They're making sure that Cleveland's not going to have a chance to get this ball back and put up some BS points before half. So after that, they convert the third and one. Timeout by Buffalo at the 23. First and five, Allen throws the ball away on another kind of just a pressure play where it's not going to work, so he just hucks it. And then on second and goal, uh, Allen finds... Diggs for the five-yard touchdown and slightly before this drive I think maybe right before this drive actually was the moment in the game where Diggs is on the sideline and he is clearly frustrated and I don't want to say that he's arguing with Sean McDermott because I think that's maybe a misrepresentation of what was happening but he's definitely expressing his frustration and at that point in the game I don't think he had been targeted at all I think that's what was going on, is that the Bills only had six points to that point. Diggs hadn't had the ball thrown his way once, so he's trying to understand what is going on here. But it was a good sign that McDermott was able to calm him down and then get him involved on this drive, and for the touchdown, no less. But there was a play on the drive where Allen was chased out of the pocket right, he's scrambling right, and he tries to throw back middle, and the ball is almost picked, and oh my goodness, I was uh, was very concerned because it's the exact same thing we've seen in each of the last three weeks of him running right, under pressure, so he's escaping the pocket right, and then looking to throw back across his body to the middle of the field, and three times in a row, three games in a row, this pass has been picked in some form or another, and I was... Like, I felt it in my stomach as the play was happening. And fortunately, this ball went into the ground, and it was incomplete. I think it was on first and five. So it was another situation where, oh, no, in the red zone, he's going to throw this ball and get picked again. So, like, my heart was in my throat at that point. But they come back, um, and second and goal at the five, and this is where he finds Diggs wide open in the back of the end zone. I don't know what Cleveland did defensively, Uh, If they were playing zone and they just wanted to pass that off, but they let the Bills best player get wide open and maybe that's what McDermott was telling him He's like look we're trying to get them to not focus on you We're trying to get them to forget about you and then we're gonna hit you for this touchdown in the back of the end zone so just be patient go get your helmet and uh, We'll get back in there. So the Bills Score right before the end of the half. There's like 14 seconds on the clock and they make it 13 10 and from that point when the game was excuse me 10-3 Cleveland doesn't score again in the game until the game is 28-10 and then Cleveland finally gets a touchdown in the fourth quarter but at that point it's an 18 point game the Bills are up three scores Uh, it's almost a garbage time touchdown with four minutes left so they make it 28-16 at that point but whatever um Going into the third quarter, the Bills are up 13-10, and then they're just kind of reduced to field goals, which, you know, is not the best thing in the world, but what I want to point out about that series of plays in the third quarter is how the Bills utilized the run game because their first their first drive back uh, on the field after the half, they get the ball, and so immediately, you know, Allen finds Diggs, 16 yards. It's like, okay, we got to get him involved. we got to make sure that our guy is happy and a part of the game plan. Singletary runs the ball on first and 10, which I was happy to see right after that uh, 16-yard game by Diggs. Allen goes to Diggs again. They bring in Cook on a third and one. And he cracks a 17-yarder. So we're starting to see the Bills finding the rhythm with their two-back set. And in a weird way, like getting rid of Zach Moss made their run game a lot better because they have fewer options. I don't think they're really interested in using Hines uh, as a running back, and we haven't really even seen that very much at all. I think he had a carry in this game, but for the most part, they want to use him to return punts. They want to use him to catch passes, maybe go to some two-back sets. Uh, But for the most part, he's not going to run the ball in this offense unless somebody gets hurt. And so then facing a third and 12-12, Uh, The Bills get called with a penalty on Saffold, brings it back, makes it third and 22. And, you know, they're at the 44, and this is a play where maybe you want to take that shot at a 20-yard route, but Allen gets rid of the ball to Knox. He gains enough back where they can attempt a long field goal try, and Bass knocks it through from 56. This is why you have a kicker who's got a 50-plus yard leg, so you can be in games like this, where you play defense, kick field goals, and get Ws. And now at this point in the game, Cleveland's a three and six team heading in, and they're now down by a full touchdown, minus the extra point. And they work their way into Bills territory, and on a third and one, Brissett gets stuffed for no gain. So they're facing a fourth and one at the 27, and They can kick the field goal here and make it 16-13. It's a close game. They've played well. Uh, Brissett has played well. Cooper's played well. Chubb has played pretty well for the most part. He's not running the ball super effectively, but he's had his moments. Kareem Hunt has played well. This is a moment where Cleveland should have taken the field goal, but instead they decide to go for it on fourth and one. And, I mean, if you're Kevin Stefanski and your team is three and six, you know you have the guy that I'm not going to name who's coming back in a couple of weeks, who's going to take over at the starting position. So you're probably thinking something like if we're, the bills have already outscored us. They've put up however many unanswered points. And if we kick a field goal here, it's basically the same thing as being down six. So they try to go for it on fourth and one with reset again. He doesn't get it, but then the bills have the ball uh, at their own 27 and A couple plays later, they're in the end zone for the touchdown. Uh, Allen connected with Davis for 17 yards, and they gave him, excuse me, they gave Allen the benefit of the doubt on a hit that was a roughing the passer call. And he did. When you watch the replay, there's an angle that shows the defender's hand into the chin area, into the face mask area. So I think by the letter of the law, The hand to the head of the quarterback is an automatic flag. Also, uh, I don't know if it was Saffold that was on the left side there, but kind of getting uh, pushed in the head also took Allen's legs away because the offensive line was there, so he also kind of tripped. And then the defender lands on top of him as well as part of it, so they all kind of trip over each other. But it's that initial uh, hand to the face mask, hand to the head area that is going to draw the flag, especially when you're Josh Allen. So that tacks on another 15 and brings them all the way to the Cleveland 41. So they're basically in field goal range there. And then Allen finds Knox again. Singletary runs it again. And then Singletary picks up a touchdown. And I can't tell you how happy I am to see Singletary playing well for the Bills right now uh, and scoring touchdowns. Oddly enough, it was the Thanksgiving game. Last season against the Saints where I really saw Singletary wake up and play his best football. And he had had some fumbling issues earlier in the year and I think that kind of led to the coaching staff taking away some of his playing time and trying to figure out what they want to do with Moss and getting Breda involved in some plays last year as well. So it was oddly enough around the same time last year where the Bills realized that Singletary is their guy. And so it was nice that he had a pair of touchdowns last week. It's nice that he got in the end zone again this week because it just says that they're starting to believe in him on a first and 10 at the 18. They give him the ball on a first and goal at the five. They give him the ball and they failed on the two point conversion, but it's still 2210. And now that missed field goal is looming large because, I mean, yeah, sure. It would have been theoretically 13 to 22. So it's still a nine point game, but it really puts Cleveland in a weird position on this drive because they go down the field, they get into Bill's territory, and they even get into the red zone. But they get hit with the delay of game, as bad teams do. Pushes it back to a second and fifteen. Chubb gets five of that back, and then he uh, Brissett, excuse me, is incomplete short. And now they're faced with a fourth and ten at the sixteen, and they kind of have to kick the field goal here to just make it thirteen to twenty-two. Had they taken the other field goal? They can make it 16-22. They're down a touchdown. Not that bad. So anyway, they're forced to kick the field goal here. Or attempt the field goal at least because Daquan Jones gets a hand on it, blocks the field goal, and you know now it's a 12-point game. Bills get the ball back. It's end of the third quarter, so you're down two scores against the Bills who have the ball as the quarter's ending. And with a minute 37 left in the third quarter, this is one of the coaching decisions that was not being made in the last couple of weeks that I will commend them for because I always say that the good teams make adjustments. And this was a game where the Bills had to adjust mid game and they had to figure out what was going on because they were struggling early in the game. They just were out of sync. So here you have a first and 10 at their own 24 minute 37 left in the quarter. More often than not this season, this is a position where the Bills want to throw the ball. Especially the last three weeks is a position where the Bills have been throwing the ball with the lead, and it's cost them in every game. They only lost two of them, but don't forget that that Green Bay game, Green Bay started to rally late in that game because of their run game and because of the Bills wanting to throw it so much. So on first and ten, they hand it to Cook. He gets nine yards. So there you go. Clock is running The next time they snap the ball, there's 50 seconds on the clock. So they took that whole play clock, like they're aware of the clock being their friend. Cook goes up the middle for four yards, converts the first down. They don't snap the ball again until there's 12 seconds on the clock to end the quarter. They give it to Cook again. He picks up 29 yards. So they're run, run, run here to end the quarter. Like, oh, I can't tell you how happy I was to see the Bills understand that the clock is their friend. And... Coming into the fourth quarter, first and 10 on the Cleveland 34, another position where the Bills are usually going to throw this ball. But I think because they had first down, they saw what was working for them. They handed to Cook. He gets three yards. I don't even care about the yardage. The clock is running. That's 15 minutes. Next time they snap the ball, 14-16 on the clock. So they already took off 44 seconds. And if they can just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, the clock is going to help them. And this is a lesson that they desperately needed to learn going down the stretch in the season. And they did figure it out last year. They started to run the ball a lot better from Thanksgiving on. So I hope that they remember that because they end up getting another field goal out of this. They make it 25-10. Now it's a 15-point game. So best case scenario, the Browns have to score a touchdown, score another touchdown. Well, They'd have to score a touchdown, get a stop, score another touchdown, get a two-point conversion just to tie. And the Bills are going to get the ball a couple times in there, so they're stacking the deck in their favor by making it much harder on Cleveland to be able to compete in the game. And then they get a three and out on the Browns, and it comes with a Matt Milano sack. Matt Milano had a masterful day. I'll go over the stats at the end, but he played great. And then the Bills take over at their own 36. What do they do on 1st and 10? Oh, they run the football again. I fucking love it. Josh Allen, pass to convert the 2nd down conversion to Davis on a 7-yard completion on a 2nd and 6. They're not throwing the ball 20 yards down the field. I love it. And then 1st and 10, what do you think they do? Run it again. Singletary, 18 yards. 1st and 10, what do they do? Cook runs it again, 5 yards. So they're just chopping away. At this clock here, and I absolutely love it because the run game is working too. And this is one of the first times where I've really seen a commitment to the run game as their primary offense. But on a second and five, Allen to Diggs for 21 yards, that's what you want. He throws short right, Diggs converts a short second and five for a 21 yard gain, and then they get first and goal at the Cleveland Nine. So what do they do? They run the ball again. They take another 40-something seconds off the clock. So they're just eating the entire clock up. This drive was only 9 plays, but it took 5 minutes. You know? Later in the game, they have a 7-play yard or 7 play drive that's 21 yards. Only takes 2 minutes, 15 seconds off the clock. And we'll look at that one next. But you've got... Uh, Allen converting on the short yardage that turns into a big play. Singletary for a short one-yarder. Cook loses two yards, so second and goal at the Cleveland. Eight. Minus two yards. What are they going to do? They're going to obviously throw the ball on third and ten. Well, it's third and goal from the ten. And he goes to Diggs, but Diggs gets called for OPI. They decline it. Fourth down, kick the field goal. Just kick the field goal. That's even a position. They're up 18, where if they really wanted to go for it on fourth and goal, like that's a good position to go for it, but They just want to escape this game with a win, and that's the mentality that I want. Forget about trying to put up stats, forget about the MVP, forget about all that. Play to win the game. Like Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. You know, it it would be nice, of course, if you could pad everybody's stats and get all these guys Pro Bowls and hit their incentive marks and all those things, but by making it 28-10 at that point, it made Cleveland's touchdown drive after that so much less impactful. Because at that point, you're up 18. There's less than seven minutes left in the game. It doesn't even matter if Cleveland scores. They're going to have to score three times in the final six minutes of the game in order to win this game. And to their credit, they put together a nine-play 75-yard drive, and it took two and a half minutes off the clock. So they're going to give the Bills the ball down uh, excuse me, 12 at that point. So they still need to stop and score. They failed the two-point conversion to Cooper. I think he uh, he went a out of bounds in the back of the end zone came back in so did not convert the two-point conversion so still officially down two touchdown scores and then they have to get the ball back to the bills and they need to try to get a stop sensing that that's probably not going to happen they elect to go for the onside kick and uh terrell bernard manages to get a hold of it the rookie linebacker and just falls on it it's a little bit loose it's a little side spinner but traps it Gets control, no problem. They're at uh, their own 42. Excuse me. Uh, the Bills are at the Cleveland 42 when they start. First and 10. What do they do? They run the football. And what does that do? Forces Cleveland to call that timeout. So Cleveland burns a timeout. What do they do on second down, second and seven? They pass short middle because the clock is stopped again connects with uh, Dawson Knox, 11 yards, forces Cleveland to call timeout again. So they get a new set of downs. So what do they do on that first and 10? They run it again, 11 yards for Singletary, up the middle, Cleveland timeout. So now all Cleveland's timeouts are gone and the Bills have first and 10, the Cleveland 17. And they turn around, they hand it to Singletary. He gets tackled for a loss. I do not care. There's three minutes, 52 seconds left on the clock. Cleveland has no timeouts. You have to run this football. Minus three yards, totally fine. Sets up second and 13, but the clock goes from 350 to 310. And now, second and 13, what are you going to do? No timeouts on the other sideline? Run the ball again. He only gets four yards. Who cares? Takes the clock from 310 down to 223. He took almost an entire minute off the clock with that run. So, on third and nine, the one thing you can't do is stop the clock for them because the two minute warning is coming anyway. You want to get there so that it doesn't act as a timeout on their behalf when they have the football. Allen ends up getting sacked, but not a bad sack at all. It's the right way to get sacked if there ever was one on 3rd and 9. And it's 4th and 14 at the 21. Bass comes out, kicks a field goal. So, at that point, it's 31-16. The game is over. Doesn't even matter anymore. So, I mean, Cleveland, they do put together a garbage time touchdown drive inside that two minutes, but the Bills, they know the game is over, so they're just out there trying to not get hurt, trying to, you know, just play conservative on defense and if they score, they score. It's not the end of the world. And that's what happened. Cleveland ends up uh, scoring a touchdown. It was Donovan Peoples-Jones, so fantasy owners who have him can rejoice. Uh, and it was a ni- uh, excuse me, 8-play, 75-yard drive in a minute 37, so that was fine. With 19 seconds left, they're down 8. And Cleveland is forced to try another onside kick. So even though they're in a position where if they recover the onside kick, they'll have maybe... 20 seconds to go down the field and score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion to tie. Um, What the Bills did in the second half was stack the deck against Cleveland protection-wise. Just in terms of securing possessions, securing uh, enough of a lead, and kicking field goals when they had the lead to make sure that even if they're only kicking field goals, Even with a touchdown, the Browns would have not been uh, out of striking distance for the Bills. That being said, the onside kick was a little scary because it got up on Gabe Davis pretty quick and hit him in the face. So, you know, this is a game where the Bills win and you're just kind of looking at what to take away from it. And one of the things is like Gabe's timing, because we saw in the Jets game, the ball kind of snuck up on him, hit him in the face. He had a drop in this game. Uh, and then here on the onside kick, he's on the hands team and the ball sneaks up on him, takes a weird bounce, hits him right in the face mask, and it's almost recovered by Cleveland. So it's kind of a scary moment to, to think about what will happen or what could potentially happen in a game where you're not playing the Browns, you know, against a good team where this happens, against a team that maybe has some really good special teams players or is really well coached on special teams. This could be a problem if the bills need to recover a, um, onside kick in order to win a game. And if I'm the opponent, I'm going to kick the ball at Gabe Davis every time now. And if you're the bills, you really need to think about like who you want out there. Do you want to put maybe the backup tight end out there and Morris, you don't really want to put your best receivers out there anyway, but those are supposed to be the guys with the best hands. So, do you maybe put Shakir out there, the rookie? Um, I know Crowder's out, so he's not in the question. Maybe Touchdown Jesus put him out there instead of Davis? I don't know, but it's something to keep an eye on. And I just don't want to see, like, the kinds of bad drops that we've seen that are going to really hurt in important games. Not to say that this game wasn't important or that Gabe didn't play a good game. He, for the most part, played a very good game. He had 5 for 68 on 7 targets, so really solid I think most importantly was that Dawson Knox finally had like a Dawson Knox tight end one kind of game with seven catches for 70 yards I mean he's not putting up Travis Kelsey numbers he's not scoring three touchdowns in a game but he was helping to move the sticks and keep the clock running pick up first downs that's all I want I mean I'd like to see him score some touchdowns for his sake and for anyone who owns him in fantasy I hope that too but I just want to see the Bills win you know in the locker room after the game Allen you know, gave some shout-outs to the crew and uh, the team that manages the Bills and helped them get to Detroit, and he said a win is a win is a win. And, you know, he was 18 of 27 for 197 yards and a touchdown, got sacked twice, didn't play amazing, but didn't play poorly. He played really well uh, once they got warmed up, and then in the second half, it was mostly just get that one touchdown to get the big lead and then turn around and hand the ball off. And here you have Singletary with 18 carries for 86 yards. James Cook with 11 for 86. And Allen had three for seven. Hines had the one for the loss. But the Bills ran the ball 33 times. where they had 33 official carries. Uh, I don't know if Allen... I think one of those was a scramble. But we'll say it's 30 plus. And they had 171 yards. That's pretty damn good. The Bills, they're not a bad rushing team. I think even last year, when everyone said they're a bad rushing team, they were in the top ten. Maybe they they were even as high as sixth in rushing. A lot of that is obviously because of Allen, but Cook with 11 for 86 and Singletary for uh, 18 and 86 and a touchdown—like those are really good numbers. Those are high yards per carry averages, and this is what the Bills are going to have to do the rest of the season. You know, it was an unusual amount of low pass attempts for Allen but guess what like his arm's not 100% so of course don't throw the ball 50 times it seems like a basic idea just a basic understanding of our guys hurt we don't want to put him in jeopardy let's give it to the other guys that can help out Um, and you get Diggs who had 4 for 48 in the touchdown so he's still racking up touchdowns but yeah Matt Milano on defense had an amazing game 12 total tackles 8 solo tackles sack three tackles for loss fumble recovery I mean if there's a player of the game you could give it to him because what they were able to do especially after early on where uh Chubb was looking pretty good catching balls out of the backfield they held him to 19 yards on 14 carries as a receiver he had three catches for 48 yards and two of those were big like 20 yard chunk plays but collectively Jacoby Brissett had the 122-yard carry, but he had seven carries for 29 yards. So realistically, he had six carries for seven yards aside from the one big one. Kareem Hunt had five for 32, so he was getting some play, but he was only really in there on that one drive. So you got to look at the Bills' run defense after the last couple of weeks and commend them. They stood up and they played well. Tyrell Dodson had nine solo tackles, 13 tackles. He played a much better game than he did last week. Uh, Teron Johnson, eight tackles, four solo. Ed Oliver, though, three tackles for loss, beast mode, five tackles, three solo, three TFLs, JP, all Po comes back, had a huge impact in this game, had a tackle for a loss, two solo tackles, five tackles, was just kind of sniffing some stuff out, let me see, do they have pass defended on here, he did have a pass defended, as did Dane Jackson, Demar Hanlon, Christian Benford, um... Didn't really come away with a ton of sacks. They only had the one sack by Milano, so Cleveland did a good job of keeping the Bills' pass rush at bay. Um, I would have liked to see more from Vaughn Miller, but you know what? It's all good. The Bills had eight tackles for loss as a team. I'm totally happy with that. And the results speak for themselves. So you don't always need to get sacks, but Cleveland did a really nice job of keeping the Bills' pass rush just kind of Off balance, Cleveland has a good offensive line, obviously. Um, Brissett went 28 of 41 for 324 and three touchdowns. And in the wake of this game, somebody I saw a comment that said, oh, this game was like much closer than the scoreboard suggests. And I feel the opposite because from the time that Cleveland took a 10 3 lead, the Bills outscored them 25 0. Heading into the fourth quarter. Or not in heading into the fourth quarter, but until there was six minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Bills absolutely dominated this game after that uh 10-3 initial lead. Like, yes, there was a fumble in there. Uh, yes, there was like a penalty that I believe took distance away from them and ended up in a missed field goal. So there's some stuff that happened, but You know Cleveland played as good as they could and so it's very interesting to be like you got Cleveland who had a really good game from Amari Cooper, he looked great you got a really good game from Jacoby Brissett he looked really good as well Nick Chubb put in his damage Hunt did some damage as well in a couple of situations but even with all of that the Bills got this game to an 18 point margin and scored 25 unanswered points so to me, two garbage time touchdowns do not make this a close game The Bills were up 28-10 with six and a half minutes left to go in this game. That's pretty dominant considering that they did not look good through the first quarter and some change into the second quarter of this game. So once they got it together, they got it together fine. Tyler Bass obviously had a dominant kicking performance. um, But I'm happy. You know, they... They get to play in Detroit again on Thanksgiving, and Detroit's won three in a row. They're pesky looking. The Bills are going to have to be ready for that game. They can't overlook Detroit because with DeAndre Swift back, now that Chark is back. uh, Jamal Williams scored two touchdowns in this last game. They got a good pass rush up front with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Detroit's no slouch I mean they give up a lot of points but they find ways to stay competitive and to be in football games and I think they've scored 30 in back-to-back games so they're starting to look like the Lions from the beginning of the season you know I think they're four and six now so they are technically still alive in a weak NFC they're not going to win that division but it's a game where the Bills are not going to be able to afford just taking like casual penalties You can't be having eight penalties for 89 yards in that game. You're going to have to take care of your shit. And Amon-Ross St. Brown is a legit receiver, runs good routes, open all the time, good hands. Buffalo's going to have to be prepared. And one of the best things about this game being moved to Detroit is that the travel accommodations, the locker room, all that stuff is already in the bag. They don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I mean, unless there's another 15 feet of snow or whatever. But my point is... This is not going to be a situation where they're going on the road and everything is cold. They've been through all of the steps of getting ready to play, like their warm-ups on the road in Detroit, all that stuff. They're staying at the same hotel. It's going to be a business trip. I do like the Lions. I'm not going to lie. They're fun to watch. I like their uniforms. I cheer for them because they're an underdog, but I can't cheer for them on Thanksgiving, especially against the Bills. I would hope they would play someone else, but this is the morning game. I'm thankful for that. And Bill's Mafia, I'm thankful for a win. I hope everybody out there buried in snow in Buffalo is doing all right. I hope you guys have power. hope you have heat. Out here in California, it's 40 degrees and I'm freezing, so I can't even imagine having to dig myself out of seven feet of snow. I commend all of you who went out and shoveled snow for your neighbors, who helped dig your friend's car out of the snow, who helped... Uh, the Bills who helped, I think, Spencer Brown, Josh Allen, all these guys dig their cars out so they could get to the game. Uh, and it was really nice to hear Josh shout you guys out, too, in the the postgame victory speech in the locker room. So I couldn't be really any happier. The Bills did exactly what I wanted them to do. They addressed the issues that they were having in the last two games. They shut down the run. They ran the ball themselves. They played with the lead, and they understood how to play with the lead and close out a game. So really, yeah, Cleveland's 13 fourth-quarter points all came when the game was already over. Not a big deal to me. Don't want to make a habit of that against a better team, especially not the Lions. They find a way to hang around. So the Bills are just going to have to do what they did against Cleveland. Run the ball. Pay attention. Don't put the whole game on Josh. Don't throw the ball 50 times. Play smart football. And that's all I got. All right, Bills Mafia. um, Like I said, I hope you're all doing well out there in the snow. I wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. If you celebrate Thanksgiving. If you don't, that's cool too. I'm going to cook a tri-tip because I don't really celebrate Thanksgiving in the way that a lot of people do. But I'm thankful for the people that took the time to listen to this show because Lord knows there's a lot of football content out there. And if you chose to listen to this show, thank you so much. Uh, And until next time, take care, be well, stay safe, stay warm. Go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheist podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!